This episode is brought to you by our sponsors at Adult Time, the ultimate subscription platform for premium adult content. With over 55,000 episodes, 300 channels, and new releases every single day, it's everything you'd want in one place. And you can use promo code Bree Mills, that's B-R-E-E-M-I-L-L-S, to try a free week on us. Assuming you are 18 plus, of course, and you can discover how we do porn differently. Hi, my name is Bree Mills, and I am a porn director with a purpose. Now, throughout my career, I have covered just about every niche and I've created some award-winning films and brands along the way. But now, I'm much more interested in getting to know the real people behind my characters. And that's because I believe adult entertainers can be some of the most powerful role models when it comes to sex ed, consent, empowerment, and wellness. By asking the right questions, our community can really help people better understand themselves. So that's the mission of this podcast. Let's get up close. Well, hi, Octavia. Hello. Welcome to the Get Up Close podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being part of this project. Absolutely. The, the whole goal is to get to know you know, the women of our industry in a new light, in an authentic light, in a way that sort of strips away all the performance and allows people to be themselves and to let us get to know them. So I'm really excited. This is the first time we actually are sitting down face to face and talking. This is super. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do an icebreaker that's going to put you on the spot. Tell me one fun fact about yourself. Uh, I feel like no matter how many times somebody asks you that, you never know what to say. Um, Ah. Um, I was a tomboy as a kid, did not know how to do makeup until I got in the industry. That is a subject that we could talk about for the entire conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, but let's, cause tomboy to tomboy, I'd love to hear. So kind of what was your, what was your style? What was your tomboy style growing up? Oh God, you know, it's completely different than what I am now. Cause Mm -hmm. I used to wear like, well, I mean, besides right now, I used to wear all black. Uh, I never owned a pink thing. Um, I was always dyeing my hair red or black. I had a faux hawk at one point, Mm -hmm. shaved my head at one point. I was a very emo punk kid Mm -hmm. up in Northern California. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very like rock and roll. So, and so where, what, how did that, uh, why did that appeal to you? How did you kind of discover that as being the way you wanted to present yourself from an early age? Um, I think since I'm the youngest of, uh, a lot of sisters and Mm -hmm. we're all very feminine and I didn't really relate to it very much. Mm -hmm. So I think I fell into more of that tomboy in between where I wanted to go roll around in the dirt and sword fight my brother and climb trees and read books. Mm -hmm. And I just never, I never wore nail polish. I had no interest in any of it. Uh, That kind of developed later as I've gotten older, Mm -hmm. I would say, kind of in my early 20s and late teens is when I started getting more into the more beautifying matters, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like your upbringing had, uh, you know, you had like a a lot of a big family. 
Huge. Um, yeah. And that you were the youngest of, you mentioned a lot of sisters. Yes. Um, I, so tell me about your upbringing. I have eight sisters and two brothers. Wow. Uh, and three step-siblings, but I only grew up with four of them. Mm -hmm. So three sisters and one brother. Uh, we moved around a lot. Construction kids. So mm -hmm. we always went where the work was and homeschooled. Mm -hmm. So we were always the five kids just creating havoc. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the dynamic that creates. Yeah. And did you, do you think that like kind of your, how you presented yourself was in a way to kind of stand out against the competition of all your siblings? <laughs> um, I think it was honestly a shield because mm. I, uh, you know, I went through a lot of abuse as a kid and I think that was my way to, you know, be like, I'm tough and I'm strong, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like don't mess with me because I have this hard ulterior. So mm -hmm. I think that's really where it stems from. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, and you need to sometimes, especially when you're younger, right? Like the only outlet you have is, is how you present yourself, right? Absolutely. Sort of putting on that really tough shell. Mm -hmm. Like that's yeah. the only thing you really have control of when you are a kid mm -hmm. in that kind of dynamic anyways. And you try to, use the little things you have control to survive mm -hmm. I think that creates that shell mm -hmm. and you mentioned that you know as you as you got older and became uh you know a kind of an independent adult that you started to let that shell down a little bit and explore you know yeah. some other ways of of expressing yourself tell me a little bit about that shift and um you know what what kind of led you to start to you know paint your nails and express yourself in a bit more of a feminine presenting way? Uh, I mean, I think we all know that being feminine kind of brings a more soft, sensitive side. Mm -hmm. you know, I think we can all say, you know, say that. And when you come out of a place of survival and you get to a place where you can act, start to shed that shell and mm -hmm. become more sensitive, more receptive, and even expressing more, I think that's when I started to get softer, started painting my nails, started buying pink things, mm -hmm. uh, started actually crying. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't watch like super violent movies anymore. Mm -hmm. Before I could watch them, didn't care. But now I'm like, no, I, I can't see yeah. that. It's going to be in my head all day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it comes from being in a safe place to where you can embrace your femininity and express that mm -hmm. and feel confident to do that. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Where did your where did where were the origins of your confidence? When did you start to sort of find that within yourself? Um, you know, I don't know. I think it it came more with knowing that life is short, and if I'm going to enjoy it, that I need to take these steps. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to be stuck being this depressed kid living in the past and I'm never going to move forward. Mm -hmm. I think that's really where it came from. Yeah. And with within that, you know, kind of journey to to let you let that shell down and discover yourself and feel that confidence. How did your own sort of sense of sexuality and sexual identity emerge from that? Because it's obviously such a huge component of, you know, all it of our lives. Is. Yeah. Um, so funny enough, I well, not really funny enough, but I grew up in a very Christian household, so mm -hmm. sexuality was very frowned upon. It mm -hmm. was, you're going to go to hell if you're gay. Uh, I remember my mom reaching over to check my purity ring one time, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it represses like, oh, like I'm just a vessel for a guy to get pleasure. And that's very much in that culture. Mm -hmm. 
And it takes breaking away from that and being like, oh, okay, like that's not what I want to be a part of. Um, you know, I'm finding pleasure on my own, mm-hmm. you know, masturbating, self-exploration. And then you start to break those walls down while becoming more receptive to being feminine or mm-hmm. your sensitive sides, mm-hmm. as you will. And then you start to explore what you like and what you're into. And that's how I started doing like boudoir modeling. And then I decided to get into porn to help me learn actually about my sexuality. Yeah. So this has actually been, this whole process isn't about me being confident in my sexuality or knowing what I like. This has been me exploring and discovering what I like. That's amazing. So that's what porn has done for me, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's like, there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, of, (laughs) follow-up questions I have is this is really fascinating. I think just to to go back for a moment, um, obviously there was a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, influence within within your home and your upbringing um, that kind of played a role in, in that needing to harden up and to sort of break free from. Absolutely. How did you find also growing up, um, especially in the Christian background that you grew up in, the influence of outside media or pop culture? Was that something that was also like kind of completely kept out of your life? Completely, or, yeah. yeah, which uh, is kind of a profound thing. It's kind of like a backhanded thing. It was great, but also backhanded. So I didn't grow up with TV and I didn't grow up with the radio. Mm-hmm. I only listened to Christian music, CDs. The only time we left the house was the grocery store or mm-hmm. going to church. Um, and I was homeschooled till like seventh, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So I was very isolated, very reclused. But I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. And I watched a lot of old Western movies. Mm-hmm. And I was always like enthralled by the burlesque girls and the little Western saloon, you know, uh, girls. And I just loved them. And I knew there's that part of me that was like, I love that look I love the sensuality I love the burlesque and I think that comes out in my fashion and my statements Mm -hmm. um that kind of influenced me but I think that was the only thing really coming in other Mm -hmm. than books I read a lot of books and there's a lot of hidden romance and sensuality through books that you can get and I think that adds a depth to it Mm mm-hmm Okay, what's I'm a huge, uh, huge book nerd. What's what's the book you could reread over and over again? Oh my god. Okay, I um, I love fantasy, like adventure fantasy, and I could reread the uh, Ranger Apprentice series, mm-hmm. like all of those. Like ah, I love like Lord of the Rings kind of type books I don't know they're cool to me yeah I mean I, I have a I do have a Lord of the Rings tattoo yes so I, <laughs> yes I, I will out myself for that <laughs> yes I love Lord of the Rings I am no man yeah well and it's very like there's a lot of, there's this ton of sexuality like you were saying like hidden sexuality and sexuality within books right yeah. and it sparks the imagination it does which is you know oftentimes far more erotic than anything that you would see especially oh, in mainstream media absolutely so. I mean I read so much literatica. I do that more than I watch porn. Mm-hmm. And then when I watched porn, I can't really find them now, but when I did start watching porn, it would be sex scenes from movies. Yeah. That was what would yeah. do it for me. But at the same point, if you hadn't watched any of those movies, right? Yeah. It was the first time seeing them and there was a sex scene, it still was probably pretty pretty risque. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, you, and then you watch a hardcore porn and you're like, whoa, okay, whoa. completely out of left field. Wait. So you mentioned that like get the journey into sex work was really part of your personal 
sort of sexual, you know, awakening and journey. And it's one that's very much still ongoing. Yeah. Um, how did you make your way into the industry? Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of how you ended up to the place you are now? I feel like I have, like, the most stereotypical story, to be honest. Um, you know, I was working minimum wage jobs. COVID hit. I lost my job. Mm -hmm. So I had all this free time. And I'm very, you know, artistic. I've always been into modeling, lingerie modeling specifically. Mm -hmm. So I started hitting up photographers, taking some of my own selfies, and doing boudoir modeling. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'd never done any, like, content, hardcore things before. Mm -hmm. I was approached by an agent. At the time, it was when world modeling was around. Mm -hmm. um, and it piqued my interest. And so I kind of sat on that for a year. I was like, do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? Do I want to do it? You know, because with my family background, mm -hmm. being in porn is such like, yeah. are you sure? Um, and so I didn't do it for a year. Then I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. I did two scenes. And then I left for a year again. Mm -hmm. And I was working on a cannabis farm. Then I went back to this casino I was working at, just dropped tons of weight, was super unhealthy, just very unhappy, and was like, I got to go back to the mm -hmm. was what was making me happy was mm -hmm. doing that. And so well, I came back. Yeah, and then you're in, and we're very, <laughs> we're very happy that you're back. So you've been absolutely amazing, you know, in, in the projects that we've done with you so far. Um, what was... Um, what was that sort of early experience in the industry like for you? Because you mentioned you kind of came in, you shot a little bit, then you took a break. And obviously it was right. it was it was something to get used to and to kind of process for yourself. What did you learn from that? Oh, like the first three scenes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I learned how to douche for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I learned that. It was not as anxiety-inducing as I thought it was going to be for mm -hmm. me. I thought I was going to choke. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to have to walk away. And it ended up being one of the most exciting and fun things that I've been a part of. Mm -hmm. And it's not at all how we portray it to be like on media or what everyone tells you about. Even, I hate to say this, and maybe I'll get in trouble for this, but even the way that some performers make it out to be in this such a negative light sometimes it's not like that at all. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just my personal experience, and I know everyone's different, but I have met so many beautiful people that have made such a great community that I have a hard time seeing it in that kind of light. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's going to be predators around every corner. You know, every kitchen you work at, there's going to be someone that harasses you yeah. um, in every industry, and not to diminish that, but I don't want that to take away from the beauty that is in the industry either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it, you're very, very right in the sense that some of the most intelligent and compassionate and interesting people I've ever met have been the people that I've met within this industry. Absolutely. And, yeah. and we are a bit of an island of, of misfits in a sense, but yeah. like in the best way because that's he brings the most interesting people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for... For you, you know, the the sort of fact, uh, I, I wonder if the the idea of going and shooting that scene was also a way to really, like, uh, continue to kind of break from those rigid conventions that, that you had been placed Absolutely. upon you growing up. Yeah. And so there's probably a thrill in that as well, right? There definitely was. It definitely broke kind of like that cage in my head almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And I feel like... There's more cages every time I break one. There's another one I got to break and another one I got to break, another one I got to break. 
but it's been helping me get through that. Yeah. What was your relationship with sex and sexuality like, you know, before you got into sex work? So you'd mentioned a, a fascination early on with, I love it, the burlesque dancers of the Westerns, the only yeah. films you were allowed to watch. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I totally get it. But what, you know, when we sort of think back on your your early sexual exploration, the first time you masturbated, the first time you had an orgasm, like, especially where you are now, when you look back on that point in your life, you know, what were some of those early moments like? Oh, like early moments of orgasming. Yeah. And having that. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest. I have been masturbating for so long. I don't really remember the first time. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I was always, always that kid, you know, um, so I, I don't know if I can really give you an answer to yeah. that. Well, I mean, it is an answer. <laughs> I mean, it was always part of you. Yeah, it was always part of me. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel, did, were you aware of, you know, oh, this is wrong? Like, did you feel that shame because of the upbringing or it was always something that to you is quite natural and, you know, uh, you, you did despite the pressures that may have come from, you know, uh, from the surroundings you were in? You know, that's actually very interesting that you bring that up because I never thought about this. We always devilized sex mm -hmm. but we were so hush hush like don't talk about anything sexual I don't think we ever really talked about masturbation in mm -hmm. particular it was more just don't be sexual mm -hmm. just don't do anything so I don't even know if when I first started I knew what I was doing yeah until I got older and started learning like oh that's what sex is that's what masturbation is that's what a penis is yeah oh that's what a vagina does like I learned what sex was through a movie Mm -hmm. I never had the birds and bees conversation. What movie? I have to ask. Was it a Western? Oh, my God. It's actually like one of the sweetest. Like, no. <laughs> was it a Western? I wish. It was actually like one of the like most heartbreaking, sweetest movies about like this kid that has cancer. And like she goes to class and learns what sex is. And then she's upset and goes and talks to her parents. I can't remember what movie. It's really it, sad, though. Yeah, but it, it, it despite the sadness, despite it, the it sadness, was educational. It was educational, and I learned. And then I was like, what? And then I got even hornier and masturbated. So. Yeah, there you go. Well, in a way, it would be kind of like, I guess, growing up, it was like a, a free pass because you didn't know that it fell into that, you know, the quote-unquote sinful category. Did not know. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. always that inherent, like, I got to hide it, though. Mm -hmm. For some reason, you always know you got to hide it. Yeah. So... What's, uh, if you could share, and it doesn't have to be embarrassing. <laughs> oh, no. It can also be, like, very, very uh, impactful. But what was a memorable moment that you can think of that you've had during sex, either in private or in front of the camera? Oh, okay. Like, in, like, most impactful moment? Or yeah. You could take it in whatever direction you want. Oh, God. This okay. can be a really, like important beautiful moment of the interview or it can be a really funny moment uh, god it's always yep another blank um i will say one of the funnest scenes that i've done and it was very new for me was my biphoria scene mm -hmm. um and i do watch a lot of gay porn i love seeing man-on-man -man action so getting to be a part of it and seeing it up close was just like Fantasy like, fulfilled. Fantasy fulfilled. That was like a huge moment for me. I mean, like, love it. We have to talk about 
the man-on-man action for a moment, because you're not the first person that I have heard this from. Uh, What are the origins of your interest in in watching men together? Um, I think that comes with learning what gay sex was for the first time Mm -hmm. and feeling like such a masculine tomboy at the time when I learned. Mm -hmm. I was just really enthralled by it. I don't know. Like, I just love seeing, like, I think there's something beautiful about masculinity. So seeing two hot guys going at it, Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I just would love to be a fly on the wall for that all the time. (laughs) So it's sort of like your your greatest sexual influences are two hot guys going at it and some burlesque dancers in a saloon. Yeah. That's Octavia Red. That's me in a nutshell. nutshell. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So... How do you prioritize now that, you know, you, you've been uh, working in sex work for a number of years and also have had your own, you know, development and, and journey in your adult life. How do you prioritize sexual health and what have you learned about sexual health and well-being that you would share with others? Um, learning how to balance it is like the biggest thing, especially being a sex worker. I think your sexual health is going to be a little different than everybody like mm-hmm. an everyday person um and balancing it as a sex work of being like okay this is how much sex i'm having for work and mm-hmm. then this is what i'm doing in my personal life and what i want to do and what i'm into mm-hmm. and it's just about balancing it because i had when i had months where i was doing too many scenes i didn't want to have sex at all with my partner mm-hmm. and they suffer from that um, and then it kind of creates this pressure on you of being like, oh, my God, like, I have to go to work and have sex. I have to come home and have sex. Like, can I just, like, be a turtle and live in my shell for a minute? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still learning how to balance that personally. It's still very hard for me to want to have sex off of the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe my kink is having sex on camera, mm-hmm. which makes it even harder to want to have sex off of camera. Um, so I might not be the best person to ask that question for, but I think balancing it is really the key foundation and knowing what works for you. Cause what works for me is not going to necessarily work for you and being receptive of learning how to balance it, learning to say no to a shoe or, Mm -hmm. you know, saying no to going out on that date or whatever. It's just making that balance for your own mental peace is what's really important. Mm -hmm. Well, and the fact that you, you know, have been so candid in sharing that, you know, sex work has been like a really instrumental part of like your own sense of discovering yourself, right. In a way too, that creates a perception about what sex is because for you, that, that journey is living within the work. It is. Yeah. And yeah. So finding, it's a question that I often ask and I certainly have reflected on it um, myself, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a performer in the industry, but, you know, obviously am, am in the industry. My, my partner was, was a performer in the industry and is still an active, um, on her own platform. So yeah, it's like learning, it's learning about like how, how to have sex on camera and off camera and that they're not the same thing, but it can really get in your head. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. It is really that cross wire. And I think the hard part for me is like sex has kind of always been a performance. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to find the most enjoyment with masturbating, Mm -hmm. but when I am with a partner, I find the most enjoyment getting them off and performing for them and doing that. Mm -hmm. And that can also create that disconnect where it's like, I mean, like, 
I want to have sex with you, but this is just a performance for me. Yeah. To, it's not an enjoyment for me unless you're enjoying. Oh, it's a weird thing. Yeah. It's, it's a weird yeah, thing. It's, 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 it's a complicated thing. Yeah. And, you know, you think you, you think that, you know, oh, well, they have sex all the time. Therefore, it must be easy, right? Right. Come naturally. And then yeah. oftentimes it's like, no, it becomes really complicated because sex is all of a sudden not just something that's yeah. personal. It's also this thing that's this identity publicly and all exactly. of that stuff. Yeah. And then sometimes I think you create such a disconnect with it that you're like, wait, sex is supposed to be personal again. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. It can create that disconnect, absolutely. But I guess sex is really what, you know, what you make it out to be and what you need it to be for yourself. Yeah. And that's the, that's sort of the true sexual expression. Yeah. It's such a personal thing. I mean, we all have different kinks and different wants and needs. It's mm -hmm. so personal. Mm -hmm. So personal. So if you were going to be a sex ed teacher. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you were going to be a sex ed teacher for a day, uh, you had one lesson to give and your audience was the world and a big <laughs> class. What, what, what would you say? Like, what would you teach in that lesson? What do you think people, you know, more than anything else as a baseline for sex education should be learning these days? Don't take it so serious. Like, can, yes, be consent, have consent and all of that. Definitely. That is a serious matter. You know, have consent. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked your shirt earlier. So consent is sexy. I like yeah. that. Um, but also don't take it so serious. Like, don't be so hard on yourself. Sex is supposed to have, be fun. Um, and I know for me, when I first, you know, was discovering sexuality in my teen years, I took it so serious that I, asked, I have to be good at this. I have to be this. I have to perform well, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just have fun. Just have fun. Mm -hmm. Say what you want. Say what you need. There's another weirdo out there for you that wants to give it to you or wants it as well mm -hmm. and just have fun with it just have fun with it how do you uh how has your relationship with consent evolved over time uh and what how do you bring it into you especially into your own you know personal life these days um i think consent is just so straightforward i don't really see there being an evolution to it other mm -hmm. than yes is yes and no is no uh, maybe he's like, I'll try it, but I might say no at the end, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I just think consent is straightforward as much as that. Um, but I think as a woman, sometimes we give confusing signals because we are shy or we don't want to disappoint or mm -hmm. we're scared and we don't want to say no when something happens. And that for me, because I'm a very anxious people pleaser, mm -hmm. has been a process of me to learn to say no instead of saying like, um, maybe, maybe another time or I guess or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because men don't have the same experience as us. They don't necessarily, not every guy, but don't necessarily know what it's like to be on the spot like that to feel like that so they're not necessarily going to know that you're trying to say no mm -hmm. it's not they might not all be trying to be an asshole or taking advantage of you yes yes they will some will but not all of them will they just don't understand that you're mm -hmm. trying to say no yeah there's and like the sort of two that. sides of, of of it right of where, a coin yeah yeah, yeah yeah and i try to get in the head of everyone to understand because understanding for me is like how i accept things so if i can be like okay i'm in his shoes would I be confused if I heard that? 
No, I wouldn't because as a girl, I know that. Mm-hmm. But that is my experience as a female. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's very complicated. Oh, it's so complicated. It's, it's, it's huge. You know, it's something that it, it takes. It really does take both sides to get out of the rut of that culture of silence. It is. Yeah. And everyone's such an individual, you know, like everyone takes things differently and every, you know, I don't know. It's a hard conversation to have. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, like, um, like you mentioned, uh, you, you know, being, being firm about, and at least being able to vocalize, this is how I feel right now. It's like yeah. that first step towards encouraging the other side of the coin to like, Oh, I didn't even think about it. even if you had the best intentions, you know, I didn't I didn't realize that this, you know, that wasn't okay. So it sort of yeah, starts the cycle of conversation, which is the most important which thing. Which is the important thing. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think definitely people want it. There are going to be guys that want to take advantage or women, whoever that want to take advantage. And then there's people who just did not, they don't have the social cue. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that because I don't always pick up social cues myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it is a balance. Yeah. And it's knowing who you're around and who you're with. Yeah. And we're all learning, quite frankly, to talk for almost the first time, like to actually talk about these things because I, you it just didn't happen unless you happen to be proactive. I agree. And I think we're it's also something that we are learning and bringing into education because, you know, it, it does start with women's rights and we did not have rights mm-hmm. that long. Like we got our rights not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So this is something that we're bringing into education and we're learning and we're fine tuning and trying to figure out, you know, that gray area that we tend to all swim in. Yeah. Because it's not all black and white. Yeah. But we have progressed a lot. We still have a lot more progression to make. But I am, it is pretty cool to see that. I, don't know, I think maybe it's been, correct me because I'm not a history buff, but like 80 years. I don't even think it's been 100 years. Mm-hmm. Maybe 100. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a history buff, but I know it just hasn't been that long since yeah. I've had rights. Yes. Well, and rights so. are, are being taken away <laughs> yeah. and, <you> know, <laughs> and, on a regular basis as well. <laughs> but you mentioned something earlier that I that I thought was interesting when you were talking about sort of the what gives you pleasure versus giving pleasure to others. And that like when you're when you are masturbating or you are by yourself, that's sort of where you feel the most comfortable to like give yeah. yourself pleasure. Whereas when you're with a partner, it's, it's sort of the instincts are to please that partner. So when you are kind of with yourself and feeling that kind of confidence within your own, um, like say self care and self pleasure, um, what, what do you think about what goes through your mind? Cause that's just a really fascinating question. Oh God. Uh, I read, a lot of literatica when I'm by myself, mm-hmm. when I'm masturbating. Um, I think just, you know, you're horny. You're, you know, you're just touching yourself, having a sensual moment, trying to feel sexy. And I, I try to focus. It's very hard for me to orgasm personally. Mm-hmm. So I try to just focus on that sensation and that feeling. Uh where I watch gay porn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's gay porn. <laughs> so... Um, it, is there a fantasy that you have that you haven't fulfilled yet? I mean, because I know the biphoria scene would have definitely yeah, been one. Um, but uh, that, you know, you you would love to explore that you would be willing to share with us. Oh, I have been so blessed this year to explore so many of the things I've been interested in. But um, I would love 
to perform with trans performers because that's actually who I'm the most attracted to. Mm-hmm. And I have never been with a trans woman. Mm-hmm. And that is who I am the most attracted to, actually. Mm-hmm. So good to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can chat afterwards. <laughs> uh, we have got a great series for just that. Um, what qualities do you find the most attractive? Uh, I'm more of the head person, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, just being a genuine person, whether you're funny or serious or stupid, if you're genuine, like to me, that's what really attracts me to you. Mm-hmm. You could be a six or a seven. I don't really care, but you have a genuine heart and you have a softness to you. Mm-hmm. And also integrity that you want to keep doing well for yourself and moving forward. That is what I'm mostly attracted to. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest red flags? Oh, um, if I have to clean your house. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> I learned that lesson. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that lesson. <laughs> so nobody who's messy. <laughs> No. But if you have, if you're a good, genuine soul with integrity and a clean house. Yes. I, I'm no housewife. I will tell you that. You learn, know how to cook, know how to do your laundry and have a good, clean house. But I mean, in, in a way, in a way, not to, not to completely psychoanalyze, but you know, that sort of sense of structure and discipline and confidence, it's, I would imagine would be something very appealing to you. Yes. It says so much. Uh, especially because I used to be a horrible hoarder and mm-hmm. I used to be the messy one. Like mm-hmm. I, like my room was horrible. I've had a rotten apple on my floor before. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. It's a reflection of my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I see it that way. And I understand depression. I understand getting to that point. But being with someone who wants to work on that and keep their house clean, go to work, have these ambitions – that says so much. To mm-hmm. me. So you hit it on the nail. It yeah. really is that mental. It is. What uh, for my for my last question? Probably the the most important and also the most unique to everyone that sits down. For people who are watching this, right? We talked to we talked on our break about how there's just such a lack of conversation around sex and sexuality, and that oftentimes that's probably the root cause of so many challenges. For anyone who's watching who may be feeling very insecure or early on in their own journeys, um, what advice would would you give them in terms of, you know, helping give them that structure and confidence to move forward? I think knowing you're not alone in it, mm-hmm. that it's a journey and you're it's going to progress and change as you get older as you learn new things, as you meet new people Mm -hmm. who might have other interests you never thought of before. And instead of trying to find a label for yourself, instead of trying to put a tag on it, understand you're a person with fluidity and to enjoy discovering yourself Mm -hmm. and to give yourself the space to explore and to expand and understand is going to change mm-hmm. and to be okay with that. 
Well, in the spirit of uh, exploring and discovering oneself, I've really appreciated this conversation and getting a chance to get to know you, Octavia, not just on the screen and your incredible performances, <laughs> but most importantly, as an incredible human being. Thank you so much for being part of this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thank you again for checking out this conversation that I had with the incredible Octavia Red, uh, somebody who is both inspiring and really wants me to go back and look at some old Western movies one more time with a new lens. So if you liked what you saw today, please let us know, like, comment, subscribe to our channel. If you want to support us on any of our other platforms, we have our socials and websites listed in the episode description below. Thank you again from everyone here at Adult Time and uh, I'll see you next week. Let's keep it real.